welcome to a mobile edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. We're driving through the Berkeley Strait. That's a reference for one listener out there. I will say Sam Amick, the all-time mobile podcast guest leader now at 2 to 1 over Ethan Strauss, I believe it is. <laughs> um, you know, it was a you came down for Warriors Lakers marquee game ABC Saturday night. Um, I don't think it was a particularly well-played game, but it was close. Uh, you felt desperation from both sides, particularly from the Lakers side. You had, uh, you know, Clay Thompson obviously was kind of uh, the story from the Warriors side of it. And, and it was a good entertaining finish uh, for the NBA when I assume a lot of people were watching right before Super Bowl Sunday. Fun game. You know, you made that distinction a couple times tonight that it was a, a good game, not necessarily a well-played game. And I agree. A lot of star power, and for me, I guess from the national perspective, the Lakers actually putting on a show and, you know, making good on some of that star power is the surprise, right? Like, the Warriors have had a very good year, but I am, you know, I was fascinated by the way the Lakers were moving post-trade deadline, had a, a different energy about them. It didn't pay off in the W, but they looked a lot better. Russell Westbrook actually yeah. had a very good night. Honestly, and this is very, you know, kind of uh, kind of the antithesis of their season. If you're going to point the finger at anybody, LeBron James had a terrible fourth quarter. One out of ten, I think, from the field in the fourth. Missed a key free throw late. So, very fun game. And, uh, and yes, I'm honored to be the mobile podcast leader. As a quick aside, Slater, you're giving me flashbacks here. We just passed a body of water where I think like 12-year-old Sam Amick once was brought to that body of water by my late mother, lover to death, God rest her soul, Chris Amick, uh, to a water ski tournament, water ski competition here near the Berkeley Straits. That was a long time ago, and you uh, you got me going down memory lane, but let's talk some hoops. I remember that. All right, I know that body of water. Um, yeah, I thought, well, let's just talk Clay Thompson. You know, this is, because you came to Clay's first game back, is that have you seen a Clay Thompson game since then? Not live, no. So, uh, you know, you saw the first game back where he was the story of the night, but it was, you know, and he had the dunk that, that you know, kind of like sparked that night. And even that night, wow, you know, I thought, you know, hey, he looked physically solid. But now you see him a few weeks later, he, he says he's in better shape, he clearly is. He's playing now 30 minutes, uh, so it feels more like a normal Clay Thompson. Uh, and, you know, tonight was his first 30-point game since he's returned. He won them the game really I mean I scored 16 in the fourth they had only had three points in the fourth quarter up until uh, and Steph Curry goes to the bench and the Lakers go up five and it felt like a very tenuous moment and he goes on like a quick little 5-0 run to stabilize them and and uh, again it, it kind of what uh, part of what I wrote post game was you know they're trying to figure out how to survive with Dray- without Draymond Green and there's different answers to that question, but tonight the answer was like Clay Thompson just looks like a co-star. You know, Draymond Green was the co-star next to Steph Curry the first whatever part of the season. Well, no more Draymond Green now, but if Clay Thompson's going to play like that, they have a second star. They do, although I misspoke. I actually came to the Brooklyn game, so I have seen another Clay game live, but he looked great. I mean, he you know, it's fun to watch Clay because and I forget who said this tonight on press row, but somebody made the point that you certainly I think it actually was was our buddy Logan Murdoch from The Ringer that you would never wish an injury or multiple injuries on anybody, but the energy and the vibe that has kind of grown out of Clay's adversity 
is continues to be fun to watch. And so when he has good moments like tonight, when he's not only hitting a few shots, but legitimately looking like that co-star, and really, honestly, just kind of ruining the Lakers' night because they played really well. If Clay doesn't catch fire, they win the game. You know, and, and if he has a nice pass, he's throwing up the goggles. Uh, we even we got a shimmy out of Clay. Uh, I'm sure you saw that. He hit a three, running back on defense, thought he was Steph Curry and was kind of shaking those shoulders a little bit, was feeling himself. So, you know, I mean, listen, this guy, as you know, you and I were together in those 2019 NBA Finals when he was the best player on the floor, when Kevin Durant was on the floor and Steph Curry was on the floor. You know, we know how special he can be. And you see little kind of glimpses of that, and it certainly is a great thing for the Warriors. He is turning into their fourth quarter big shot maker, clutch shot maker down the stretch. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, Draymond disappears. Cra- I mean, it's crazy how it has worked this season where Draymond disappeared the night Clay returned, right? You know, that, that that's the last seven seconds he played. Um, and, and now Clay has taken his place. And there's a lot of stuff that Draymond does that Clay cannot replicate, particularly on the defensive end, certainly as a passer. But Draymond, you know, down the stretch when Steph's getting swarmed, Draymond can't go and create his own shot. Where Clay Thompson can, and we've already, you know, it's it's hasn't been that many games, and Clay's still trying to get himself fully back into a rhythm. He doesn't even have his full minute total that he'll have by the playoffs, but we can name the games he's already hit big shots. You you talked about the Brooklyn game, I believe that's the game he had the pick and pop three, yep. uh, that kind of sealed it. Uh, I'm in Oklahoma City the other night, and he hits two daggers just to, just to you know throw flashback knives in the eyes of Thunder fans. I really kind of wish you were there that night because it felt a little like you know you're talking to. Tumbleton and different Thunder people post game. They're like, "Oh, did he have to do that?" Right. Um, and then tonight, you know, I mean, it's just big fourth quarter shots, and he, you know, he's going to. I know he's known as the the off ball guy that uh, you know is getting the stuff off ball, but he's doing. You know, he's getting to his own shot when he can. And I just, to me, that was a weakness you saw early in the season with the Warriors is crunch time in a close game. Steph's getting swarmed. They sometimes have a tough time finding a shot, and I think we're already seeing a few weeks a month into his return he's the guy to go to down the stretch no i agree and i wonder too i'm a little guilty occasionally of putting on like the armchair psychologist hat and with draymond out and clay's pride being very high as always and certainly coming off that kind of extended 941 day absence you know it kind of feels like clay is going to have a ton of motivation to send that message that, yeah, we miss Draymond, but, like, I'm this guy still, and I can be that guy for Steph, and I can be that guy for this team, and we can figure out how to have Jordan Poole find his way and make the most of these different guys. Um, You know, and it's kind of fun to watch this Warriors team in general because they have so many moving parts. It's not the same old formula that we saw a few years back. They've got wrinkles to iron out. And they are doing that, even in the absence of Draymond. And and they're dangerous, you know what I mean? Like, post-game, I was on the Lakers' side. LeBron made a very kind of declarative, kind of obvious statement about the Warriors being the second-best team in the West. You know, he's obviously just kind of reciting the standings, but it was like, kind of showed like, all right, the Warriors are back, but they are still grinding to, to try to get to the top of the West and, and to be consistent and have all these pieces come together with Clay being a, just a massive one. But it does, in terms of, you know, all in all, I know they've dropped a few games lately. It feels like they're getting there. It feels like the bigger picture for them in terms of the playoffs, they're going to be in a really good place. 
Yeah, I mean, generally, you know, and Curry even said at postgame, they're not playing very well lately. They he said they he thought they played poorly tonight, um, and that was on the defensive end. They've been getting killed on the glass lately. Part of that is because um, you know they're dealing with you know a size issue with Draymond out. Looney looks tired. Obviously, Wiseman's not back yet, and. Uh, they've been getting killed on the glass, and tonight they're getting back cut, and the transition defense was bad. And um, there's there's a lot of areas I could go to where you because there's I don't want to say a per, a perfection mentality from them, but they they know what it takes to win the title, and they know they're not playing championship basketball in this pocket of games. But when you take a step back, they had recently won nine in a row. They just lost two in a row, but then they won tonight. We're talking about a team that's ten and two in their last twelve. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you mentioned second best team in the West. Phoenix just doesn't lose anymore. Yeah. I mean, like they they're just a machine down there. So I think that's also happening where where, where they're they're kind of particularly with Draymond out realizing that they're not going to be the top seed going into the playoffs. Um, but I can, you know, you were alluded to the the different fun wrinkles of this Warriors team that are unlike a lot of contenders out there. One of them is the seventh overall pick who is like exploding right now uh including i was a little surprised even with Otto porter back and available to the warriors tonight steve kerr starts kaminga jonathan kaminga is who I'm, I'm talking about obviously he not only starts kaminga with andrew wiggins on the floor he has kaminga guarding lebron uh you know a game after kaminga was put on julius randall because you know and this is rare for a rookie because of kaminga's power and his size and his you know athleticism and they trust him in individual defensive matchups and you know it was good and bad he had five fouls he had a couple like you know rookie whistles um but you probably you know you haven't seen a ton of of Kaminga live and in person and it did feel like he was a background story but he's really pushing himself to the forefront just what do you think about him I he, he jumps off the page you know what I mean like I was sitting next to Mark Spears from the undefeated and you know and Mark was just kind of nodding in the first quarter and saying, man, this dude can play. And he had a couple of dunks in the lane, that one pass from Steph where he kind of flipped it over his head. Kaminga catches it, you know, behind his head and, and just dunks on folks. He's athletic. He's explosive. His IQ seems to be there even at a young age. And, you know, it's, it's, it is incredible. I know it's early and we can't kind of give the Warriors their flowers yet in terms of you know, building for the future while succeeding now. But that kind of tango that they continue to try to pull off just appears to be going well, and Kaminga's probably the best example of that. I mean, he's just he looks like a guy with star potential, and that's what Joe Lacob obviously has been telling, you know, you guys locally in the media in the Bay all season long, and this is why they didn't want to make any deals at the deadline. They're just not giving up on a talent like that. And, and, I mean, what do you have, 11 in the first quarter? I mean, he just... 16 and 5 at half. And, you know, he yeah. slowed down. McCurr said his quote was he was our best player for three quarters, is yeah. what he said. And it was true. I mean, Clay obviously, you know, took the game over. But Kamingo was the story until Clay took it over. Uh, and to me, it's not only, you know, it's, they're trying to thread the needle, needle organizationally of, you know, you mentioned it, the win now, develop now. But part of the ability to do that is, you know, Kaminga can flash the star potential that we've known he has, but they've actually put 
together this developmental plan this season that, you know, and there's a lot of accountability within that. There's a lot of times Kaminga has been getting benched or not getting good minutes or, you know, Kerr or Curry or Draymond or Iguodala is very critical of small things about him into the press. And, you know, you never know if that's going to work. And, and a lot of that is on the rookie to handle that type of stuff well. But he's come through it now to where not only are you watching tonight going, yeah, 2026, this guy could be a two-time All-Star on his way to being like, you know, a Paul George type star. But at the same time, you're also saying he can help right now. You know, he can be in a playoff rotation. You know, it's it's as a role player, but it's as an effective role player. It is. I'm sitting here trying to think of a decent comp, you know what I mean? And, and I'm kind of drawing a blank right off the bat. But, like, the ability for him to develop in this context, to have the opposing defense – you know, give you so much space because you have the great Steph Curry on the floor alongside the great Clay Thompson and things of that nature. Like, he's going to find his NBA game, you know, conceivably in a different way and probably a quicker way than he would, you know, if he was trying to carry some sort of, you know, flailing franchise. And that's where it's interesting to be a top-tier talent where at face value – you don't necessarily want to be on a title contender because you might not get the run. But I think Kaminga is not in the Rising Stars game because he didn't have many minutes. Now it's something Clay Thompson was was ripping on uh, that he wasn't. But yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff. You know, especially early in the season, they're playing Jalen Green and he's like getting two minutes. And Jalen Green, you know, the G League Ignite co-star he was with last year is getting you know thirty two minutes. Uh, but generally, to your point, you're learning winning stuff, right? Yeah. What wins on an NBA stage. And I think a great example of that is the way he's gotten better cutting off the ball, where if he's on a bad team, maybe he's just on the ball all the time. But tonight he makes good – you reference one of them, really good cuts off Curry's gravity for dunks. And, like, him learning that as a rookie probably is very good. And to Steve Kerr's credit, you know, Steve is not – there's some coaches out there that, that you just kind of knew – we're, you know, not going to play young guys. You know, there's a lot of them. Jerry Sloan used to have that reputation. You know, and, and Steve appears to be invested in that organizational plan, you know, to do the kind of the, the future and the present at the same time. And that means that, like, you know, it's a meritocracy. If Kaminga looks like he's ready to compete and contribute, then you don't hold him back just because, you know, that he's a, a youngin, so to speak. So he's he's fun to watch, man. Some of this stuff, talent-wise, like you just you just see it and you go, oh boy, like yeah, he'll be there in a little bit. And Kaminga has that look. Yeah, um, and you know, I I do think Kerr's brought him along well this season, but I think a lot of the credit for for his increased playing time just needs to go to him because he's forced Kerr's hand. I don't necessarily like. They've kind of not wanted to in some ways. They, especially early in the season, there was almost, because of how last season went, because in a lot of ways they, they failed with James Wiseman. They gave him a start. He wasn't even, you know, he got COVID and missed training camp, and obviously he was so raw already uh, with such a lack of, of college experience. Yet they gave him a starting job night one because they're like, eh, just toss him in the water, give him kind of entitlement minutes essentially. And that didn't go well, and the, and the plan did, and they overhauled the developmental program that included, you know, Kenny Atkinson and blah, blah, blah. But um, they came into this season saying, no, we're going to prioritize veterans. It's all about winning. If Jonathan Kaminga cannot help tonight, he will not play tonight, essentially. Right. Right. Um, and I just – I think they've they've gave him the proper role and the proper tutelage and all that. But 
a lot of it is just like he has absorbed it all well and I mean you saw it tonight and like it you know it's it's a pretty big story not just for the now but for this what we're talking about like an extension and uh, oh and the other thing I wanted to mention because you mentioned you couldn't think of a comp the one they've used and Kerr used early in the season that they you know obviously hope it would be like is Kawhi Leonard where it comes to the Spurs now Kawhi Leonard was 15 overall pick he he wasn't thought to have star potential but Kawhi Leonard was a role player early on for those Spurs and pretty quickly developed into a high level role player and then obviously kind of took the keys to the franchise after that yeah, I mean, Kawhi, and I, I kind of saw that from the front row, so to speak. You know, Kawhi was locking the opposing wings down right away, but then having to be patient because you were playing with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and had to be really patient offensively. And it, it didn't come for him right away on that end, but, he, you know, I mean, that is a good comp. Um, as a quick aside, we got to make sure we fulfill a request of of the great Warriors PR man, Ray Raider. We just passed uh, Georgia Street in Central Vallejo, Ray. We told Ray we were mobile potting tonight. He wanted, like, some sort of geographical stamp. So uh, beautiful Vallejo is on the left and the right, just to give you all a little little taste of the scenery here. Six Flags coming up soon, I believe, or what, Great America? I think it's Six Flags. Uh, I stayed at the Courtyard Vallejo a while ago, Slater. This is, you know, just... The Athletic, don't ever tell me I'm, I'm not trying to save money for the old company, being a good company man. $87 a night. Wow. <laughs> Learning a lot on this on this long drive. Um, okay. The uh, Anything else uh, just, yeah, I guess, in the micro tonight on the game before I maybe go macro before I wrap us out of here? Nothing on the micro as far as thoughts running through my mind. Uh, on the pulp, uh, pop culture side, I... I did take in a little bit of uh, about last night the Steph Curry and, and Aisha program on HBO. <laughs> Sam Amick is trying to send this podcast off the rails. How about how about the the Warriors are really pushing the advertising campaign? I mean, it is good to be Steph Curry and and you know. Listen, as a fellow married guy, I can just I can respect you know just trying to do projects that, that make your wife uh, smile and, and Aisha did a real nice job hosting and. It's a fun show. Hey, listen, I'll be honest. You're giving him pre, free promo right now I, on our pod. Hey, Mrs. And Mr. and Mrs. Amick kind of were hanging out last night watching the little couples programming. It was it was interesting. Steph just cracks me up, man. He's become a massive star, long since become a massive star. You know, I've covered him since the beginning. You've covered him for a while now. Uh, you know, to his credit, he stayed mostly the same. I shouldn't say mostly. He stayed the same guy. Uh, so it, it is a little surreal still for me to see him doing HBO shows when he's this this dude who, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you the story, like when he was coming into the league and he worked out for the Kings in Sacramento, I uh, I kind of stalked him out at a local hotel and, and did like a sit-down 20-minute interview with the Davidson star when he was looking like he was, you know, 12 years old. And he's come a long way, but I mean, in the, in the here and the now, to get back to the micro, Steph is leading this group that continues to look very capable of contending for the crown. And I don't think we should forget that that was not what we thought was going to happen this year going into the season. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. No, and I mean, you look across the way tonight and the Lakers, what are they, so they're nine, they're what, 26 and 31, something like that, I believe their record's right about, Um, and if they stay in the nine, and I do think it's going to be tougher, they have a pretty tough schedule in the uh, second half, I do think it's going to be difficult for them to pass either the Timberwolves at seven or the Clippers at eight, uh, which means they'd be sitting in the nine ten. they'd have to win two play-in games just to be the eight seed you couldn't even be the seven seed which probably means the Warriors would avoid him because it's looking like the Warriors are likely gonna be two at this point so it would be two pl- play-in games just to play the Suns man it's just not going well in Lakerland no it's not and that I mean to go back to the game that is where this was actually it's funny because like they they did actually pull a moral victory out of this and it sounds weird to say that in February but post-trade deadline, they talked a lot about having a new energy, having the peace of mind, and knowing that this is going to be their group. And it sounds, I mean, I'll probably, you know, feel stupid by next week for saying this, but I actually found or felt like they kind of found a little bit of a something. Like, they, they, they played within themselves. You know, the Russ finding some success, you know, was a big deal. They had a big practice on Friday. I know that sounds very boring, but for the listeners, like, NBA practices just don't happen very often in the course of a season. Not good, like, you know, yeah. high-intensity ones. These were like, it was an offensive-focused practice where Frank Vogel, LeBron James, AD, Russ, all talked about the idea that they worked on their spacing, they worked on their system, like, they made some really important improvements, and they seemed to work. And so they actually felt pretty good after that game and they're right that like a few bounces of the ball the game goes the other way I mean if LeBron just hits a free throw you know if he hits all three of those then they're in good shape so um, but but yeah it is crazy if you go back to again framing this from the the standpoint of what we thought going into the season I mean Slater you want to go run back the tape from the tampering podcast when we talked about title contenders and like I got talked off of the Utah Jazz to talk about the Lakers winning it all. Like, this was not supposed to be a 9-10 team in the West. Well, guess who I picked to win the West? The Phoenix Suns! Oh, man, did you really? I don't yeah. Know. Guess who Fred picked as the most overrated team in the West? The Golden State Warriors! Shout out Fred Katz. At least Fred and I are both uh, got a little egg in our face. Well, I mean, you know the Warriors fan base loves to, to reference the John Hollinger preseason Warriors prediction. What did he say? 39 wins, 11th in the conference. Damn. Yeah, they, they enjoy that. 538, I think, had them, you know, through their calculated formula as a 37-win team. The Warriors just won their 42nd game. Are the night. Lakers coming up to my neck of the woods in Sacramento to uh, to have a play-in game? I'd be all right with that. I mean, I was going to say the Kings need to get rolling, but but the Kings are rolling two surging, in a row, surging. That's a winning streak. Yeah, they're gonna have to get a, They're gonna have to get all the way to nine at this point. And they're about to play the the, uh, the completely uh, you know hapless uh, injured Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie at home. 
That's winnable. That's winnable. 11 in a row those Brooklyn Nets have lost. The problem for the Kings is the whole second half of their schedule basically is on the road. Um, but anyway, the last point I would make on all this is, you know, we are – there's two games before the All-Star break. And then post-All-Star break, particularly how the wet – you know, if you're covering, like, what the, the playoff landscape in the East, it's just, like, free-for-all. Like, nobody knows when anybody's going to be seated over there. But in the West, you kind of, at this point, are thinking Phoenix one. Warriors 2, Grizzlies 3. So you start to look at what those type of matchups might be. And, you know, from a Warriors perspective, that would be very likely the 7. So whoever wins the 7 versus 8 play-in game. Right now that's Timberwolves, uh, you know, Clippers. We kind of laid out the landscape of, you know, with the Lakers sitting at 9. But that's interesting. And that's I'm flipping that forward because the Warriors are going to L.A. That's their next game. Uh, they're actually going to be in L.A. for Super Bowl Sunday. And Steph Curry, who's picking the Bengals, by the way. Uh, well, no, no, well, the, the, Steph's going to the Super Bowl tomorrow in well, L.A. You said the Warriors are going to be in L.A. I think. Yeah, they're playing the Clippers Monday. That's what I was asking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I'm just saying that because to me that if I had to predict the most likely first round opponent, I would guess Clippers, Clippers Warriors, are, Clippers are are pretty damn good, man. Ty Lue is coaching his ass off. Um, you know they, they to do what they've done without Kawhi Leonard, without Paul George, is impressive. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on who they picked up? At the Norman moment? Powell, because Steve Ballmer is. Serge goes to the Bucks, but yeah, they get Norman and Rob Covington. Yeah, and you know that's 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 Balmer being willing to spend, and you know you talk to people around the league, and they're like, they're not necessarily worried that the Clippers are going to win the title this season, but they're like the way this is, you know, set up for them. If they do get Paul George back healthy and Kawhi Leonard by next season, and because they now have Norman Powell in tow, and you know at least Covington's bird rights and everything, like they could be, maybe even consider the title favorites heading into next season. They could be. No, they got a lot of a lot of three and D wings and, and a lot of depth for sure. But um, I mean, in general, I'm going to throw this your way as we wrap up the pod. You know, I know this is way too far down the road, but I talked pregame to somebody uh, with the Warriors about the Suns and the question of how we saw the, the kind of jostling of power within the West. And my two cents was this: the Suns just had. A really impressive win against the Bucks, and looked like you know it's kind of one of those exercising demons kind of wins, and they look like an incredibly motivated, powerful team right now. I'm still skeptical that you know I felt like if you tell me hypothetically the Phoenix gets Milwaukee again in the finals, I don't know. Like I might pick Phoenix this time around. That being said, you gotta if you're the Suns, you gotta get to the finals. I am not yet convinced. Maybe I'm just too tied to the old, you know, Warriors-Clippers playoff series. I am not yet convinced that I look at Warriors, I look at Suns, I look at Chris Paul, I look at Steph, these matchups. Like, I, I do think that from a competitive fabric standpoint, culture standpoint, all those things that, you know, in that kind of a series, even the standings being what they are right now, I'm probably picking the Warriors. But, you know, how do you see that matchup? I think it all rides on Draymond Green. And not only the fact that Draymond Green has to be there playing, but I think he has to be, like, not compromised. I think he has to look like the guy, the rejuvenated version of himself that got the All-Star nod this season, that was the defensive player of the year before he left the lineup, that uh, you know Draymond Green in a playoff series, right? He just can mentally take it over. 
Um, and I just think he causes so many issues for traditional teams. Like he, you know, the way they can go small against eight and yet not get beat up is because he can handle Aiton in the post and you know handle him on the glass and roar at you know Chris Paul and the Phoenix bench and and basically go into the fire that is that actually really good crowd in Phoenix, right? Um, and Draymond Green would live off that, right? You know, can you imagine him? Yeah, and Draymond would be yelling right back, right? Like, they, they need that Draymond Green. Uh, but for them to get that Draymond Green, I need to see him physically back for the last stretch of regular season games and looking like that version. And, you know, that's what's going on right now behind the scenes. He's he's trying to get back there. Everyone behind the scenes says it's trending in a good direction. Um, you know, I'm, I don't think we'll see him until sometime in March would be my prediction at this point. Um, but, you know, that's still plenty of runway before the playoffs. But, I, you know, again, I, I would I would lean Warriors if I knew that Draymond Green was going to be there. Right. But I don't know that right now. So we'll see, I guess. Uh, that, to me, is the number one storyline for the Warriors post-break. When does he come back? How does he look? Um, and- it's going to be fun, man. Like, league-wide, I'll say this much. The trade deadline gave us plenty to get interested in during the home stretch of the season. A lot of it, of course, is out east with the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade. But there is just no shortage of storylines on both sides because Suns, Warriors, Memphis in there. Uh, who am I leaving out? I know I'm leaving somebody out. You talking about Suns, Warriors, Memphis? Just in the West. Who yeah, I mean, Utah, but I don't know. I mean, reeling a little bit, you know, but. Dallas, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then out east, it's just, I can't actually remember a year you had like a, a, a log jam of six, seven teams all within four games of one another. So where like the team that you might consider the favorite Brooklyn is like lost 11 in a row. And like, you're like, you know, if they can get in and healthy, they might win the East, but you're like, no it's going to be tough to get in. There's just not, this is a Warriors pot. I'm getting too far afield, but like there's, there's I don't understand the idea that Brooklyn is anybody's title favorite. I don't get it. Like, for, for one, I'm going with a known commodity at this point. I shouldn't like, say favorite, but, like... No, but you're not alone. I think Vegas actually is with you. Um, I, I just... I, I cover those finals. Like, the Bucks are incredible. And Brooke Lopez being out is a problem. Getting Serge Ibaka helps, you know. Um, but the Bucks are, are just incredibly good. And the Sixers are an unknown commodity, too, now. With James coming in, we'll see how that functions. But the, the Nets, man, you lose 11 in a row. You're only going to have Kyrie half the time. You know, I mean, Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, but he sure acted a little funky the other night when TNT was asking him about when he's coming back. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, well, I think he was just acting funky because the Harden situation no, just had just melted down. And, you know, I, 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 I know Kevin. the injury, and he didn't want to get into anything about when he was coming back. I just think... To me, he's, you know, I'm getting the sense of it from him. He's motivated. And, and, you know, say what you want about the Bucs, and they're obviously very inspirational run to the title last season. They played the Nets in the playoffs, and Kevin Durant was the best player in that series. He outplayed Giannis in that series. Now, it didn't lead to a win. It nearly did. I mean, we all know about the inch uh, on his toe. He's going to need more help. We're going to see, and I think we're going to find out over the next, you know, month and a half, if Ben Simmons... Seth Curry and you know maybe a little drumming but mostly we're talking Ben Simmons and Seth Curry is basically the Joe Harris replacement if that is the type of you know formula around Kevin Durant that can give him enough help because I think if he does have enough help 
and he gets a series against Giannis, he can outplay Giannis. We know that. I mean, we've seen it, but I now I'm kind of parroting. Right, what man, we're going deep down this road on the Warriors. All we are. I'm Bucks. just saying the Bucks. I'm parroting. Uh, I think this was a shout out to Malika Andrews on ESPN had said this that the other day that they got they got better. Everybody wants to forget that part. Like they barely got by the the, the Nets, but like there is growth and there is evolution that comes with what the Bucks went through last year and Giannis was so incredible in the finals and is in such a good place now without the questions around him anymore that I don't know if if Kevin is going to outplay him again. I think it's it's absolutely kind of a nose-to-nose kind of thing, and I, I can't wait to see it. Well, the title could come down to exactly who we thought. Ben Simmons. How is Ben Simmons going to look? Anyway, uh, we will end the podcast there because that is a whole other discussion. Uh, thank you, Sam Amick, for becoming the all-time leader in mobile podcast appearances. Uh, me, Tim, and Marcus will talk to you, I believe, Tuesday for the Warriors Plus Minus Weekly one.